We'll get to episode 230 in just a moment. But before we do, I'd like to ask for your support of I Can't See You. Whenever you need to make a purchase at Amazon.com, please use my affiliate link by going to ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. That will take you directly to the Amazon.com homepage. Shop as you normally do. Check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost you anything more, and I do earn a small commission on qualifying purchases. Again, that's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. And remember... I can't see you sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 230 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, and as usual, I have a few things to talk about. Going to lead off with something that made me laugh the other day. We were running an errand or two, and Ziggy was with us, and we were in a little town called Morton, the next town over from where we are. And we came to this intersection where the train station is on our left and there's the place where we were going was across the tracks, but a train was coming. And so we had to wait. But the train was still a little bit a ways and Ziggy could hear it. And then the train started to blow its horn and Ziggy kept looking to his right because there was a row of stores and apartments where the sound was echoing off of. It reminded me of a Washington seminar that I had been to. I was listening to, I want to say it was Senator Casey speaking, and I was facing where I thought he was because that's where the sound was coming from. But as I mentioned in an episode from back then, the sound wasn't coming from the corner of the room. He was, and I was looking to my left, he was to the right in the middle of the room against the wall, whereas the speakers were in each corner. And that's why I was facing the speakers. And I said to Liz at that time, I said, this kind of reminds me of that Washington seminar, which I had told her about that during Winter John this year. Uh, every every winter, uh, Alt 104.5 Philly does this outdoor concert. And most of the times it goes through. There was one year it was canceled. 2020, it was canceled. It was before the pandemic, but there was all this rain and they were worried about the electronics and the wiring and everything else. So they actually canceled it that year, but all these other years they've had it again, other than during the pandemic. And we've been there where it's been in the sixties. We've been there where it's been wind chills below zero. It was cold this year. I don't think it was quite as cold as below zero, but it was very cold on, I think it was February 4th. And we actually didn't stay the whole time because (laughs) we got cold and we ended up coming home probably midway through all-time low's set. All-time low was the headliner. Dayglow was there. Lovely the band was there. So we saw most of Lovely the band, all of Dayglow, and about half of all-time low. But as I said to Liz then, I wasn't quite sure where the stage was. I knew where the stage was because it's huge, but I couldn't tell exactly where the band was because there's stuff on either side of the stage. And again, I'm listening and it sounds like they're maybe over to the left or to the right. They're obviously the sound is not coming directly from the middle of the stage where the people in the band are. 
So it just reminded me of that. And as luck would have it, when we're sitting at this intersection, and this happens fairly often, once that train stopped at the station, and while the train has stopped at the station, it's so close to the intersection, the gates stay down. So the gates started going up, and they got almost to the top, (laughs) and then a train coming the other way came. So we had to wait again. And again, Ziggy looked to his right, and I kept having to tap him. I sit in the back seat with him, (laughs) usually. And I tapped him on the left side so he would look left. And then he did, and he saw the train. He's used to going to the train station in Swarthmore because he sometimes will go with Liz when Liz takes me to the train if I'm going to something in town or either that or further away than just Philadelphia. But it was just funny because it reminded me, that whole instance reminded me of me being at events with a person speaking in a room, but obviously the speaker was not where the speakers were. Here's something I wanted to talk about in last week's episode, but I held off because we were having a blind merchants meeting a few days after I released the episode. And it was about the business enterprise program call from the week before. This was the meeting that was now virtual that I had gone to the month before in Harrisburg, but it got canceled because there was asbestos in the building. And again, as you may recall, the building that this meeting was to take place in wasn't some rinky-dink building. It was a state agency building, labor and industries building in Harrisburg, the capital of Pennsylvania, had to be closed for a few days because of asbestos. Now, I don't know how they got the asbestos out that quickly. It just seemed weird to me at the time and strange to the others that with all the hotels in the Harrisburg and Hershey area, they couldn't quickly come to an agreement with one of them to use their ballroom or ballrooms, to have this meeting. And so when it didn't happen then, they told me, okay, the next meeting is going to be at the uh, end of April. And I said, okay, well, that's great. I'll, I'll jump on that call. Uh, it was April 28th, and I took off training from JAWS at CBVI to do this meeting. I couldn't get in at the beginning. I didn't have the any kind of information on where to get in. Nothing was sent around. The night before the meeting, I had emailed the president of the blind merchants in Pennsylvania. I emailed her and I said, hey, do you have any information on the call, login, and so forth? Didn't didn't hear anything back in time for the meeting. Then I texted my friend Kirk, who the person I worked for at the blind bodega, I said, hey, do you have the login for the call? And he sent me the numbers. Well, The way he sent the text, he did one of the numbers twice, and it was a Zoom call. And he he usually logs on in his phone, so he didn't send me the Zoom link, which I would have preferred, but it was okay. But I had to basically edit the link that he sent, and so I had Jane helping me because I was having some difficulty, but Jane didn't understand the way that a Zoom link is. If you ever look at those, the phone numbers... It'll have the phone number that you need to call. Then you'll see a comma, or actually two commas, and then you'll see another string of numbers, which also looks like a phone number, and I guess it is. But that last number is the login for the meeting, the password and login and whatnot. Those two commas 
are pauses so that when you call the number, you be, hear the beginning of the thanks for calling Zoom or whatever it is and da-da-da-da-da. Then you'll hear the other part of the login happen. Well, Jane didn't know that, so she first just sent me the phone number, which was great, but I couldn't use that. We went back and forth, and I felt bad because she was actually obviously at work on this Friday morning and fortunately working from home, so she was able to help me a little bit easier than if she were working in the office. But she finally got it, and I finally logged in, and I was so disappointed during the call. When I first jumped on, the person said, "Uh, yeah, we see somebody, and they read out my mobile number. And who are you? And I identified, first, I didn't know how to uh, unmute, so they had to tell me to hit star six to unmute, because, again, I never go on on my phone. I usually log in via the computer. So I unmuted, and I said who I was, and I said I thought this was a meeting. I was going to go to the meeting in April, and it was canceled, so here I am. And the guy who was leading the meeting, who I can't remember his name right now, who's the, I don't know if he's the interim BEP guy in Pennsylvania, when I say guy, like president, chief, whatever. He's the guy that controls BEP. He's the leader of BEP. And I'll tell you how terrible he was during this call <laughs> and how he's not the right guy because he just sounds like a, a, a bureaucrat that has never run a business, owned a business, done anything in a business except maybe worked at one when he was a kid. He said, well, this is not a public meeting. And then Pam, the president of the Blind merchants in Pennsylvania said, yeah, this is a public meeting. He can be here. Then I started listening, and it was very – most of the things talked about were specifically about things that go on operationally with the BEP and the state licensing agency and the people who are merchants within the BEP. How do we do this? Here's how you have to do that. Well, one of the first things that he said, so I, so after we go through all that, he said, okay, well, you know, we are coming up, we're going to take a break. And I'm like, okay, I just logged on. That's great. That's fine. You know, take a break. How long is the break? 10 minutes. That's fine. It took me probably about 20 to 25 minutes to just to log in. So I missed that part of it. And I'll get to that part in a minute. So I wait through the break because he told everybody not to hang up if they were logged on via phone. And you could obviously put your phone down, hit mute, do whatever you need to do if you need to use the bathroom, so forth and so on. So he comes back from the break. And I want to say this guy's name is Wes. And he said, we're really behind schedule and we've got to keep it moving. And then proceeds to tell this bullshit story of two guys named Sandy and Arthur. Sandy was a blind guy. He didn't know what he was going to do, and his friend Arthur helped him and made sure he was able to go from place to place using his cane and everything else, and he's telling this feel-good story. Now, this, again, is after he said that there was, you know, we were late, everything was running behind. And he tells this story... And then he said, and that's what the state licensing agency wants to be for the merchants. And I'm thinking, if you wanted to be a partner like that, you would make sure the training is up and running 
and you would make sure you're more helpful than you are. Because let me tell you something, this guy sucked and they're so slow in getting things started, they still did not have any plan on opening training. And you need months of training to open a business. You have to go through training in person somewhere. There's things that you have to know how to do. You've got to also work in a store and figure out how everything goes. And it's, it's months away. And it just keeps getting kicked further down the road. So folks who are older, like myself... <laughs> The time's going to run out. The clock's running out. By the time everything is up and running, it's going to be too late for me to get into it. And after listening to this call, I don't want to be in it because business is difficult enough to have somebody else to battle with. You got to battle for employees. You've got to battle for people who are shoplifting. You got a battle for getting equipment fixed. You got a battle for so many things. And now this is just one more layer or level of battles that you got to fight. I saw some of it when I was with Kirk in the blind bodega, more so in the blind bodega than at the post office with his machines. But it was just incredible how this guy went on and he's telling this story about Sandy and Arthur. Arthur turned out to need $400 later on and went to Sandy after Sandy started to do well when he graduated from college and he became a, a businessman and philanthropist. Arthur went to him and said they needed $400 to record his first album. Well, it turns out Arthur... <laughs> was Art Garfunkel. And you know how that went. Pretty good. I don't know if Sandy charged interest or not. <laughs> but supposedly that's a true story. I didn't look it up. I thought it was such bullshit and was such a time waster. And th this guy could have said so many other things to make people have faith in this state licensing agency, and that didn't do it. So I continued to listen, and then there was a lunch break. And then after the lunch break, things were going through, and they asked if anybody had any questions. Nobody said anything. And I was just listening. There was no way I was going to ask questions because it was very, like I said, operational procedures and how things get done when you need to do this or you need to do that. It was completely different than the meeting was supposed to be when it was in Harrisburg, they had different speakers and other guests to talk about things. This was just this guy talking and people asking questions within the uh, program. When they realized that people weren't asking questions because they couldn't, then that started a 10 or 15 or 20 minute ordeal of, all right, log off and log back on. So people logged off and logged back on. Still didn't work. Couldn't unmute, couldn't ask questions, couldn't raise your hand, couldn't post in the chat. Again, I don't know how I would post it in the chat on a telephone, not using it as a smartphone, but an actual telephone. So they said, all right, 
we're going to send out a new link. And I thought, okay, how am I going to get that new link? I didn't get the first link to begin with. So I texted Kirk and I texted Pam from the Blind Merchants. And Pam didn't see it. And Kirk got back to me within a half an hour or so and said, well, it's over and you didn't miss anything. But it was so disappointing to me the way this guy was talking and to think that this guy thinks he could have a hand in your business, that you can't run it the way you want. And that was one thing that I noticed when I worked at the Blind Bodega. And I mentioned it at the time. There were a couple of refrigeration units that were bad and a freezer unit that was bad. For the building, they needed forget what it was called, like a burn, some sort of burn thing, because they needed to weld something. They couldn't get that without doing something else, and they couldn't do the something else without getting the burn permit or whatever it was called. So it was a catch-22, and it never got fixed while Kirk was there. So I don't know what ended up happening. This program reminds me of when you move into a townhouse or a condo, and you say, oh, it's maintenance-free. You don't have to worry about anything. That's true. You don't have to worry about anything, but you have no control over any of that stuff. You don't like the way the lawn guy is doing it? It's too bad. You don't get to pick it. Obviously, if you raised enough hell and enough people raised enough hell with the condo board, they might switch the lawn guys. Or if the lawn guy doesn't do great, the board may get a new lawn guy. But if you don't like the way he's doing something or every week when he comes in, uh, he's weed whacking your tires or whatever because you're parked close to the edge, you have no control over that other than complaining to the board. This is the same way. If you need something fixed, you've got to go through this licensing agency to get somebody to come out and fix it because it's not your equipment. For the most part. Now, if you bring your own equipment in, then you can get somebody to come and take care of it for you. But it was so disappointing to me after listening. And I mentioned it on the blind merchants meeting call. And a couple others had echoed those same sentiments that this guy is just a bureaucrat. He was evidently the accountant for the state licensing agency that oversees the BEP program in Pennsylvania, somehow got elevated to become the president or the CEO or whatever, whatever his title is. It does it director, whatever it is, it's no good. He sucks. But I have a feeling that's how it's always going to be, because if the person could run a business, he'd be in business. He wouldn't be on this agency to help people and oversee and put their hand, his hands in their pockets and have control over these businesses. So it was just very disappointing to me, and, and I know now that I don't want to be a part of it. So the next two items that I have are Keystone Chapter related. And I'm going to start off with the spin fundraiser that we had on May 6th at Cycle Bar in Center City. I didn't feel that last year's was great. We did about $450, and we made that much money because the venue, I don't know if you would say, gifted us the rent because you're supposed to pay $250 to use their facility and pay for the one of their team members leads the spin class. They waived it last year. 
And this year when Harriet, our president, wanted to do it again, I, I said, you know, it was a tough sell last year. The only reason we did as well as we did was because they didn't charge us for the 250 Last year, we didn't do a lot of work. One of our members had set it all up. There's not a great way to promote it other than going down to the venue and trying to get members of Cycle Bar who go at other times during the week, hey, would you like to come out and support us on Saturday? Maybe you don't usually come out on Saturday. Maybe it's early early in the afternoon. Was it 1 o'clock? Most of their, their classes are in the morning. So if it's a Saturday and you've got stuff going on, most likely by that time you're you're already doing them. And so I wasn't really in favor of doing it. And we moved forward with it. The rest of the board thought it was a good idea. I created a flyer for it. I created the PayPal link for it. And I I actually think the flyer came out pretty good. (laughs) But I needed some help with that. Is this lined up? Is this centered? So forth and so on but I thought it was pretty good. I will put it in the show notes. I have a I have a PNG copy of it and I'll put it in the show notes so you can see it. We decided that we would go down at times when there were classes at the cycle bar. So no one in our group currently lives in Center City. Some other folks live in the city, but not in Center City. So for all of us, it's not just walk a couple of blocks and get there. This was a get on the train, walk over there, hand out the flyers, so forth and so on. I was supposed to go down on the Saturday before, the 29th. Boy, that was just a bad stretch of days between the BEP call on the 28th and then the 29th. Lisa and I were supposed to go down on the 29th, Saturday morning. We were going to go down around... 10, 10, 15, because we would have been able to hit a couple of classes, one class letting out and then one class going in and hand out flyers. Hey, next Saturday, we're going to be doing the spin class, da, 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 da. And I wasn't thrilled with the idea of doing it, but I thought, okay, it's a, it's a good idea. I could take the train down there. Well, on Friday, starting Friday night, and actually that whole week, we had rain off and on all week. And the weather forecast for Saturday didn't look good. Turns out it ended up being okay. I don't think it rained much that morning. But Friday into Saturday, the way the rain was blowing, we had water come in, in our kitchen. And it only happens on occasion. We had somebody come out and take a look. And I don't know if we need to have a new roof put on and new siding or just siding, if that will take care of it. But we have to do something, and I haven't gotten a definitive <laughs> I haven't gotten a definitive answer from anyone. So we have to get somebody else to take a look. Now we've had rain since then, and we didn't have anything come in. It's just weird the way it comes in on certain days. So I ended up not going because I was up late trying to keep the water from when it comes into the kitchen, it's basically coming in somewhere near one of the upstairs windows. It's finding a way in, traveling down inside the wall, and then finding its way in the house, in the kitchen. And then it pools on the kitchen floor, and if we don't wipe it up fast enough, it drips down here into Studio B. Now, a lot didn't drip down, but enough dripped down to stain the ceiling tile behind me and to my right. 
we had just changed the ceiling tile a month or two ago when I was going to be on camera for the piano bar that I stepped in to host when Stacy was in the hospital. So I didn't, I didn't want that mark showing if I happened to be over that way while I was talking on camera. Well, now we have to replace <laughs> the tile that's there now. Only, only when I'm going to be on camera. So I didn't go, and Lisa couldn't go because I was going to be the one to bring the flyers. And because I didn't go, I felt bad and donated more than just one ride at the cycle bar for the event. Not that I rode, and I don't know that I would be even able to do it between my knees and my feet and everything else. So I, I didn't even try. It wasn't, I wasn't even going to give it a go. And I didn't do it last year either. But you'll notice in the picture, if you follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, I'm in the image and I'm in there wearing my Keystone Chapter t-shirt, which is a green t-shirt with the Keystone Chapter logo on it. And it was nice to be down there. And after we'd finished, we went to the deli that's right across the hall aisle. It's They both have the same address, which is kind of funny. Now, Cycle Bar is downstairs, so maybe that's how. Maybe it's directly below. One of the other reasons I donated more than one ride was we had a cutoff of, I think it was May 3rd. If we didn't have a certain number of riders, we were not going to move forward with it. And I wanted to make sure we moved forward. I know that everybody wanted to do it on the board. And it turns out that we had a pretty good day. We, were, we made just short of $600. And again, they didn't charge us, even though they said when we re-upped to do it again this year, they said, well, this year, you know, we have to charge you. Okay. And then they didn't charge us again, which I think is funny. So I wanted to help them. I, I tweeted about it. I put it out on Instagram a couple of times and maybe just one time on Instagram, a couple of times on Twitter and maybe one time on LinkedIn before the event. And then after the event, I posted the picture on Instagram and talked about it on Twitter. That's a story for another day. I wanted to post the picture on Twitter, but there was an issue and I'm not sure quite what it was. It ended up being a success. We had more people outside of our chapter without any connection to our chapter than we did last year. Still wasn't huge, although $600 sounds pretty good. It still wasn't huge. And we've got to find the right way to get people to go. People outside of our chapter. Of the $600, probably about 200 to 250 were for, from members from our chapter. And if you figure in any family members from those people, there's another 50 bucks or 75 bucks. So you can see it's still mostly Keystone members sticking their hands in their own pocket to help the chapter. And at the time, before the event, <laughs> I said to Liz, I said, you know what, next year, I'm just going to offer to donate a certain amount of money and then not do it. But $600, I, too much for me to do. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't look like it was going to materialize into much. And we had, like I said, going and handing out the flyers, which again is a big time commitment. You're talking about a four-hour to five-hour window, depending on when you go down. Because for most of us, you've got to take either one or two modes of transportation to get there. 
I would have to take, Liz would take me to the train if it was at a time when she wasn't at work. And then I'd take the train in and then walk over from the train station. It's not far from the train station in Philadelphia from suburban station. It's a few blocks. So that's not an issue. But the trains only run on the weekend. In some instances, they only run every other hour. Sometimes they run every hour. So that Saturday, I would have taken a 9.30-ish train to get in, and I would have stayed at Cycle Bar for maybe an hour and a half to hand out the flyers. And then I wouldn't have been able to catch a train home for another hour or two. And again, so you're talking about a five-hour time commitment. And I'm not sure I've mentioned it ever, but time, in my book, is the most valuable asset you have. Once that second is over, it's never coming back. You might spend a dollar, lose a dollar, give a dollar away. You have a chance to make that up. You don't ever have a chance to make up that time you've already spent. It's gone. And so I don't want to... As I mentioned last week, with the folks who work over at Best Work in Cherry Hill, some of them get to work two hours because that's the time they have to, uh, the only time they can get a ride to the place because of paratransit or because somebody who takes them. And they spend all that time there doing something else because they can't get there closer to the time they need to to start. Starting time is eight. One guy got there at six o'clock every morning. So it's a big time suck to go down and do that. Now, when you pair it with going out for lunch or dinner, then it's something that makes it a little more worthwhile. The other Keystone chapter item I have is yesterday, and I'm recording this on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day if you're in the U.S. and a mom. Yesterday was our May monthly meeting, and one of the things that we did during our meeting, and technically it was after our meeting, was to stuff envelopes for the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania, of which the Keystone chapter is a part of. It's one of the eight or nine chapters in the affiliate, which is the NFB of Pennsylvania. So every spring they have an appeal for money, for donations. And so everybody was stuffing envelopes after the meeting, And then we had some pizza delivered. So it was really nice to be together. And because so many people stayed, it made the work go a lot faster. So fast that we were actually done stuffing the envelopes before the pizza got there. So that was kind of cool. Because who wants to get get an appeal letter with a sauce thumbprint on it? (laughs) But one of the other things, and at some point we may have somebody from this organization on. The organization is called Clusive. And what they do, they have training for folks who are blind and visually impaired to be able to go out and get work. And we may have them on White Canes Connect. We haven't, we haven't done it yet. Lisa's schedule has been very busy to talk to them. And I want to make sure she's the one that is with me on that episode. It's got to be something that she can do. So they had a representative from Clusive talk about the program a little bit during our meeting. And I had some questions because one of the things that they trained for, they said, was web development. And obviously, that's right up my alley. 
And I asked, first of all, a general question of who pays for this program for the person. And it's a whole bunch of different, it's online training. It's a whole bunch of different things, the web development, they have customer service training, general training on different software packages and things like that. But I asked who paid for it. I, I asked if in Pennsylvania, the organization is called BBVS, Bureau of Blind and Visual Services. And they do, they will, they can cover it. If you go to your counselor and you say, hey, I'd like to do this training. The training is a few thousand dollars. I don't, I don't remember how many thousand, maybe as much as five, I don't know. But you do have lifetime access to it. So you could go back to it if you need some more training and, and things like that. I would love to get a review copy of this training just to see how it is. Because the question that I followed up with after getting the answer for my BBVS question was, what's in the web development training? Are you training in WordPress? Are you training how, what are you training people in? How to make, they want to obviously make sure they have people that make things accessible. And I said, are they just learning HTML? What is, what's the story? And that's what the person said. They're learning HTML. And I don't know. I was disappointed by that. Because in 2023, 43% or 45% of the websites on the internet at the moment Use WordPress. Why not just train in WordPress? It's nearly half of every website. Knowing HTML is not going to help you in WordPress. Now, maybe they're training in HTML and some other languages, but he didn't know of any other languages. Not PHP, not even CSS. And maybe, maybe CSS is going to be part of the HTML plan. But it really piqued my interest and made me even wonder how much this program was going to work if they're just doing HTML. So I may be jumping the gun. I've been skeptical from the beginning, and I talked to a friend of mine, I'm not going to mention his name, about another podcast that these folks were on, and I wasn't 100% sold on the company. It almost sounded a little used car salesman-y to me. I hope I'm wrong, because if it's not, it sounds awesome. But I don't know, if I get a review copy so I can just go in for a, a month and take a look at some of the trainings and things like that, then I'll feel a little bit better about it. They actually had reached out to me and to White Canes Connect about advertising. And... As I told the person who reached out, this this program, this podcast, my podcast, I Can't See You, is not something that reaches enough blind people to make it warranted to advertise on it. White Canes Connect on the other side, however, is. Because it is blind people, both by blind people and for blind people. This podcast is primarily for folks who can see and are interested in how blind folks do things and understand. I basically want 
to show sighted folks how blind folks function. Think of it as a blind lifestyle podcast. And I may actually use that when I change things a little bit in the next couple of months. So I don't think this would be the right place. So I'm hoping that I'm wrong about Clusive. And again, until I take a look into it, I'll reserve the judgment both for and against. And and again, hopefully it works out because it sounded very robust with the different things that they offered, not only for the software and the programs, the web development, the customer service. There was another one that I can't remember. And just the general software, it just sounded good. And it you could always go back to refer to it. When new things are added, you would have access to it. So that all sounded great. And I'll put a link to Clusive in the show notes if you want to go check them out. It's Clusive.io. Inclusive is C-L-U-S-I-V. I guess for inclusive. One of the other things we talked about or actually did during the meeting was listen to the presidential release. And I, a couple of episodes ago, I played a clip of our meeting in Just Listen. And I'm mad because I wanted to get some audio yesterday for Just Listen. And I completely forgot because and I'll explain it in a minute. I felt like I was on the clock and doing a lot of different things yesterday. But during the presidential release, Yesterday, and for the May presidential release, President Mark Riccobono of the NFB, the national organization that we're all affiliated with in each state, that's why we call the NFB of Pennsylvania an affiliate, because we're affiliated with the National Federation of the Blind. What he talked about was Twitter, and I got a little nervous because one thing that I like about the NFB is it's nonpartisan. And I thought the president was going to go off on a Elon Musk diatribe and how Twitter is bad and so forth and so on. And it may or may not be. But for blind folks, one of the things that happened early after Elon Musk took over, the entire staff for the accessibility of the app, they were let go. So there's no one in the accessibility department, which kind of sucks for folks who are blind and visually impaired. That was one strike. The next issue came when they started to charge an exorbitant amount of money for third-party apps. So for the APIs that allow the third-party apps, Twitterific and others, to get to and for blind folks to use Twitter, that stopped working. They all stopped working. And I know a couple of friends stopped using it. And, of course, the big thing is when everybody stops using Twitter, everybody talks about Mastodon. And I'm on Mastodon. I've never actually posted on Mastodon, to the best of my knowledge. But I don't like the way that I am David Benj on Mastodon, but I'm David Benj at whatever server I signed up for, and I don't even remember. I don't even remember. So maybe you can search for me and find me. I don't even know. I don't know how I would know if somebody... I don't. What do you call those things when you post on Mastodon? Do you tweet at somebody? It's not a tweet. It's a whatever. I don't know. 
So they went, they're, they're going to explore using Mastodon more, the NFB is. I'm okay still using Twitter, as another podcast that I listened to was saying, and, and these two guys that I listened to in their podcast both say that it is the smartest group of, whether it's marketers, developers, whatever, are there. More so than Instagram, maybe more so than LinkedIn. I know they are very big on creators at Twitter. So let's see what happens with that. I'm I'm hoping Twitter is is able to right the ship with their new president or CEO or whatever the lady that came over from NBC Universal to take over. So hopefully things will be okay because I I like Twitter and it's not just because I have 3,000 followers over there. So those were the big things from our meeting, and it was nice that we had a lot of people in the building because they were willing to help out with doing the envelope stuffing, and maybe they were also there for the free lunch (laughs) that followed. We had a few, a lot of folks on the call who didn't come into the Penn Museum for the meeting, and it's nice to see that. So before we get to Just Listen, I just want to mention White Canes Connect episode 072. It will be out by the time you listen to this. It is with Aaron and Bob from White Cane Coffee. And I will put a link in the show notes for the episode of White Canes Connect episode 072, where you can listen to Preston and I talk to them. And I will also put a link to the episode that they were on with me here on I Can't See You back almost exactly three years ago. And it was incredible to me how Erin has grown. She's a young lady. She's around Jane's age. I want to say she's 26 or 27. But she started this business when she couldn't get hired anywhere. Nobody would hire her because she was blind. And so she started this business. They do online sales. They have a cafe. They've increased the size of their building. They, they moved to a new location after the pandemic or maybe during the pandemic. It's now 3,000 square feet so they can pack and ship all the orders that go out from online orders. They have, a, like I said, a cafe where they have events. They have one on, a, on Saturday mornings. They have one of the new news organizations there is live from their cafe And it just sounds like things are going great for them. So I'll have a link for that. Now, I did want to play a clip from that. So here, in this week's Just Listen, is Aaron Willman from episode 072 of White Canes Connect on this week's Just Listen. We were honestly originally going to be exclusively online. And then we sort of blew up out of nowhere to the point where like our entire house was just filled with coffee and orders needing to go out. And then we're just like, okay, we need a storefront. And then um, fairly recently we outgrew that storefront and now we're in an even larger storefront and we've been able to hire more people with more disabilities. And we have expanded in ways that I could have never expected at the beginning. You do have a seating area, you have your and right next to it is where you can buy hey, all of your ground coffees, coffees, your beans, your K-cups, your, your whatever you need. And then we actually have where you can have coffee 
muffy there or your iced coffee or very recently we started started having lemonade and you can buy pastries and we've been we've been very active with the communities and community around us saying hey what do you guys want and we've been trying to accommodate to that it was great to catch up with Aaron and Bob and I was happy to talk to them and hear that they're doing so well I will also have a link in the show notes that is an affiliate link for the Keystone chapter. Anything you buy from White Cane using that affiliate link, the chapter will earn a 10% commission. So I do appreciate that. And I don't know what the link is off the top of my head. I have to find it and put it in. But that link will be in the show notes, as well as the link to the episode, and I believe it was episode 075 of I Can't See You. Might have been 74. It was somewhere back in there. But like I said, it was May 14th of... 2020 when they were on and it was just good to catch up with them that is all i have for this episode of i can't see you please reach out on social media at david benj d-a-v-i-d-b-e-n-j on twitter instagram facebook linkedin and youtube where you can also listen to the episode or episodes and please do, because that helps me build watch time if I finally ever get my button gear to create my YouTube channel completely. Maybe once I finish the NFBFPA website. And a few other dozen things. <laughs> Again, reach out at David Benj on all those things that I just mentioned. You can also email I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Better yet. If you want to get in touch and you've got a question, a comment, a show idea, what you love, what you hate, what you'd like to see more of, anything you've got. If you want to let me know that you think a blind lifestyle pod is a good tagline to add to the cover art so folks know what I Can't See You is, because right now they just look at the letters I-C-A-N-T-C-U and they see a, an eyeball with a microphone in the center. <laughs> And I do want to redo the logo as well. Please reach out, 646-926-6350. Again, 646-926-6350. You've got up to three minutes to leave your name in town and your question, comment, show idea, anything else you'd like me to know. And I will play it on an upcoming episode. Again, 646-926-6350. Obviously, that number will be in the show notes. You can just tap that and give a call. I really do appreciate you listening to this episode of I Can't See You. Be well, stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.